Good evening, church. My name is Noah. I'll be doing the Bible reading tonight. Our first reading comes from Psalm 132. Lord, remember David and all his self-denial. He swore an oath to the Lord. He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. We heard it in Ephratah. We came upon it in the fields of Jah. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool, saying, Arise, Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests be clothed with your righteousness. May your faithful people sing for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my statutes I teach them, then their sons will sit on your throne forever and ever. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation and her faithful people with ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head will be adorned with a radiant crown. Our second reading comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 25 to 36. Sorry, 26 to 35. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent his angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, 
the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One is to be born, will be called the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Noah. It really is quite amazing to be together here for this Christmas Eve. We simply do not know, do we, what the future holds. We do not know what the future holds. But there is one who holds the future. And you may know him. You may know him well. You may just be getting to know him. Or you may not have met him yet. But there is one story. There is one name. There is one person. There is one who has outlasted everyone in your lifetime, in my lifetime, throughout history, in every lifetime. And his name is Jesus. And he is God's chosen one. And he is God's anointed one. And he is Messiah, King, and Lord of all. And there's no one like him. And tonight we're going to look at these choice words from the Bible, which is the very word of God, and consider what it means for God to have kept his promises in Jesus Messiah for the future. For the future for everyone. But specifically for your future, for my future, for our future. I'm going to start us by thinking about a book about which we've been thinking, which has sort of set the scene over the last couple of weeks, A Christmas Carol. And think about that from a future perspective. It was a novel written by Charles Dickens way back in 1843, but in many ways is as relevant today as it was then. The story is about a grumpy, miserly man called Ebenezer Scrooge. The story opens on a bleak British snow-filled, cold Christmas Eve, not a lovely, warm, refreshing, cloudless sky Christmas Eve like we've had today, but it's in the middle of London, and he hates Christmas. And we've been singing carols, but Scrooge would never sing a carol. And we've been enjoying our family times together, and Scrooge would never get together for a meal. He hates joy. He hates people. His rhetoric is, bah, humbug, and he's a grumpy old git. But he is visited by some ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future, and they warn him he really needs to buck up his ideas, otherwise he's going to have a horrible fate. Uh, We thought over the last week or so about the ghost of Christmas past and present, but today the ghost of Christmas future takes Scrooge into a scene of a funeral for a disliked man. And we see that this funeral is attended by local businessmen, but only on the condition that they enjoy a free lunch. And uh, we see that this man has servants, and uh, the servants, even with a local undertaker, basically steal all his possessions to sell on. And then Scrooge begins to realize that this scene that has been set by the ghost of future, uh, uh, of, of, um, of Christmas future is his funeral. And this is a real shock to him. And he basically says, show me something of a tenderness in a death. 
And the ghost takes him to another scene for another person who's his, um, his employee, to whom he's horrible. Um, Cratchit, his little boy, Tiny Tim, has sadly died. And there's just this outpouring of grief and this beautiful dynamic. And Scrooge then finds out he had the opportunity to intervene and save the child. And comparing the ghost, comparing the neglected grave of Scrooge and this beautiful scene of Tiny Tim, Scrooge finally pledges to change his ways and repent. And we'll hear more about this tomorrow. But the thing is, we like to think that we can sort out the problem ourselves. We like to think sometimes that when we see bad people, they can be transformed through effort and energy, maybe through the kindness of others. But it's simply not so. You see, the story of Jesus coming into this world, Emmanuel tells us that we can't do it by ourselves, that we've got such a problem between us and God that we need to be rescued. And this has been the way that since the time. And I'm going to take us to these two readings that we had read for us. And I'm going to ask God now to have his way with us as we look at these two readings briefly, that he might show us the true nature of our hearts, yours and mine, and show us how his son Jesus is indeed our rescuer, our savior, and how we desperately need him. Join me. Father God, we do pray that as we come before your word, we would do so with humble hearts. We pray, Father, that you would show us how we really are and that you would show us too how you really are and how we have imprinted upon our very being the absolute and desperate need to reconnect with you. We pray this in the only way we can, through your son Jesus who makes this possible. Amen. You know that reading that uh, Noah read for us from the Old Testament is a psalm. It's, it's like a song. You know how Christmas is all about Jesus Christ and uh, God came into the flesh to be present with us in, in the person of his son, Jesus, to fulfill the promises of the past and give hope for the future. Well, these songs, these psalms were historically people singing about a future hope, an expectation and an anticipation that things would get better. And these poems or psalms were written sometimes by humble servants and sometimes by glorious kings. And this one is about King David. And amongst the Israelite people, amongst the Jewish people, David is revered as really the king of kings. It's more likely, I think, that his son Solomon wrote this poem uh, kind of about his father, King David. Uh, Solomon was the one who God used to build the temple. But here in the first half of this, this song, this psalm, David is saying, I want to create a place for you to dwell, God. I want to honor you, God. And as it turns out, this, this psalm was sung as when the temple was finally built, God's people went up. It was called a song of ascents. They went up to Jerusalem, which was basically the highest point in the area, where the temple had been built and where God was understood to dwell, where his presence was. And the first half of this psalm, this song, is, is where we read, Remember King David, because he made a promise to build a temple, a place for God to dwell. God had dwelt with his people, and he'd done it in a variety of ways throughout history. And one way in which they knew his presence was with them, because he showed his presence on the ark of the covenant. You may have heard of the Ark of the Covenant. This was like a box in which the Word of God, the law of God that Moses brought down from the mountain, 
to help people understand who God was and how he could dwell with them. Kept in a box, and God's glory was there. It's called the Shekinah glory. It was, it was the presence of God. And, and David basically said, because unfortunately the people of God somehow lost the ark, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find the ark. And, and, and then eventually the ark came back through God's providence and David was in receipt of it and he went, I'm going to build you this temple to put the ark in. And that's basically what it's about. He says in verse 8, he says, I promise I'm going to do this. And then he says, um, this is going to be a resting place, Lord, for you and for the ark of your might. And then he says, your, your people who represent you will be clothed with righteousness and your faithful people will sing for joy. And indeed this temple did get built. And indeed, for a season, God's people gathered there. But then it got smashed. And people began to wonder, what are these promises of God about? But the second half of this psalm, I think, gives us a really clear sign about God's final plan to dwell with his people. He was going to come in the flesh. What's described here as the anointed one. Remember, in verses 10 to 11, it says, Remember your anointed one, Lord. You made a promise to David that uh, one of his descendants was going to take a place on your throne, verse 11. And the, and the Lord will choose to dwell amongst you in the flesh. This was the promise of God. He would come in the flesh to be with his people. You see, Psalm 132 teaches us how God kept his promises made to and through David, his historical king, but fulfilled them in the one who was a descendant of David, the anointed one, his son Jesus, who was born in humble circumstances to a, a little virgin girl by the power of the Spirit. And this little child was laid in a feeding trough in a place for animals. From the king to the most humble of servants, Jesus Messiah, David's descendant, would rule on God's throne. And we sing Emmanuel, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Ransom captive Israel because the divine became dust. God entered into his creation to dwell amongst his people forever and offer us salvation and a hope that would endure so that we can sing these songs. Because God's promises were kept and this is my third and final point, in Jesus Messiah to preserve a future for his people. The birth of this baby boy is celebrated around the world. Emmanuel, God with us, the divine Messiah come amongst us because Jesus also was fully human. He was born to Mary and he's the one who would save people from their sins. We get very caught up with this word sin just simply means we don't naturally incline to God. Our hearts incline to reject God. And this Jesus Messiah came to save us from our sins. The promises of these angels, these messengers from God, have verse 30 of, of Luke chapter 1 says, regarding Jesus Messiah, the angel says to Mary, don't be afraid, you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You to call him Jesus, which means Savior. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants. That was David's forefather. Forever and ever, and his kingdom will have no end. Rather like the season into which 
Charles Dickens wrote, I think in many ways our culture has forgotten what Christmas is all about. As a guy who was an author, he's also somebody who thought a lot about the Word of God and the Bible and he loved Jesus and he, he said, his name was Henry Nguyen. He's a Frenchman actually, it was Henri Nguyen. But um, who speaks like that? <laughs> Only an Englishman, right? Let me read this for you. Henry Nguyen said, Christmas has become a time when companies send elaborate gifts to their clients to thank them for their business. When post offices work overtime to handle an overload of greeting cards. When an immense amount of money is spent on food and drink and socializing becomes a full-time activity. There are trees, decorated sweets, there's a decorated street, sorry, there's sweet tunes in the supermarkets and the parents are told by their children, I want this and I want that. It's a shallow happiness of busy people filling their lives, filling the place meant to experience the deep and lasting joy of Emmanuel, God with us. The angel goes on to say to Mary when she asks, how will this be? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One will be born to you and he will be called the Son of God. It was such a precious night that took place those 2,000 years ago. In fact, we're going to sing in just a moment. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. This is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Did you know the world is in sin and error pining? Does it ever feel like that to you? Man, we've just had a hard season, haven't we? Coming out of COVID, we're just reconnecting. Just talking to a beautiful lady tonight about how she's come back, been away for weeks and months. It's been so hard, hasn't it? The world's pining to be redeemed, to be saved from itself. There are wars, there are rumors of wars. There's so much hardship. I hear day by day of people struggling. The world is in sin and error pining, but he appeared that the soul might fill its worth. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Are you weary? Are you burdened? Are you heavy laden? Because Jesus the Son of God says, come to me, all you who are weary. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What does it take to have rest and rest that will last into the future for all eternity, knowing that your sins are forgiven and that you have a hope that will go on beyond this life and forever? Fall on your knees and hear the angel voices. The angels declare him to be king of kings and lord of lords. It only takes you to fall upon your knees and call him by those names. Did you know that he gave his life for you? Do you know that he was raised to eternal life for you? He wants you. He loves you. And he will take you, whomever you are and whatever you've done, because he is Jesus, he is Savior, and he is King. There is so much more I want to share with you this precious night. But let me put it to you now. If you know him, 
give thanks once again this night for the privilege of knowing him. And maybe he's calling to you for the first time tonight. You know, it's said that the, the most difficult part of the body to be rendered to God is not the head as an intellectual exercise or the heart as an emotional exercise. It is the knees that we might bow before him and call him Savior and King. Yes, we're showing the chosen. I'd love you to come and see that so that you might see on screen something of the Lord Jesus drawn from the scriptures. Yes, you might be a reader, in which case I'd love you to take a copy of a biography of the life of Jesus from this very Gospel of Luke to read more that you might meet him on the pages. It may be that you just want to spend some time talking to somebody who came with you or brought you here tonight. But at the end of the day, this Christmas Eve, the Lord Jesus Christ himself is asking you to fall on your knees and call him Savior and King. Let me pray that we would do that together for his glory in this world. Join me, please. Father God in heaven, we thank you for sending Jesus, your son, into this world. And as we sing the strains of this song, Holy Night, may we surrender ourselves fully and wholly unto you. Would you have your way with our minds? Would you have your way with our hearts? Unsettle our thoughts, unseat our emotions. But above all, Father, we pray that you would buckle our knees. Where there has been pride in the way, may we release it to you. Bring us down in humility as Christ himself left a throne of glory to humble himself to come into our world, to take him into this world so that we might be taken by him into eternity. Thank you for the future hope that we can have in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I choose to lose my